tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! What's up, everybody? Welcome to the very first reality reunion where we sit down with TV personalities who made their mark on the reality television landscape. Joining me in studio today is America's favorite Bachelor, but Bachelor no more, and now America, and now New York Times bestselling author, Mr. Sean Lowe. Yeah! Thank, thank you, you so much me. for being here today, Sean. Glad to be here. Uh, I'm your host, Jeff Thurm. You can find me on social media at, under, at Jeff underscore Thurm. Don't forget to subscribe to AfterBuzz. Check us out on iTunes. Sean, where can they find you on social media? Uh, Twitter, SeanLowe09, and Instagram, SeanLowKSU. Great. And got the book out. Where can they find the book? Anywhere. Anywhere books are sold. Uh, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Target, Walmart. You name it, you can find Amazing. it. Amazing. If you are a Bachelor fan, you've got to get this book. If you are a Sean fan, you've got to get this book. If you want to fall in love, you've got to get this book. <laughs> Sean goes in-depth into his time on reality TV, and there's some really cool behind-the-scenes stuff that uh, all Bachelor fans have always wondered. So, got to check it out. Great read. Thank you. Now, you've had an incredible career. Um, before the book, before love, before fame, there was a simple Southern gentleman. Who was Sean Lowe before The Bachelor? <laughs> what a deep philosophical question. <laughs> I don't know. He was just a normal dude. That's how I like to describe myself. I, I really, and I still consider myself to be a normal dude, but I was just a guy who was living life, had a, a, you know, a good life, good friends, good family down in Dallas, and never imagined it would evolve into what it is today. Yeah. And what kind of relationships were you in before being on The Bachelorette? Just like any any other guy in his twenties, you know, I, I dated around and, and did some stuff like that, but uh, nothing serious or, or long term. I never I never dreamt of getting married in my twenties. I'll put it mm-hmm. that way until I met Catherine, obviously. And it was your sister that got you on the show that applied to you. Yeah, I never had any intention of doing reality TV, and uh, my sister signed me up without telling me. And so I got a call one day from the casting director of The Bachelor, and she said, "You know, we're interested in, in speaking with you." And I was just dumbfounded. I said, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> well, we, you? <laughs> we received your application. It didn't take me very long to figure out that my sister had, had submitted it. And I, I told her, I said, you know, thanks for calling, but I have no desire to mm-hmm. do this, you know, cheesy, rowdy show like The Bachelor. No way. But at the time, I was selling insurance, which is kind of the family business in mm-hmm. my family. And I just did not like it. And so I go to work the next day, and and I thought, you know, this might be a chance for me to travel the world and take a free vacation. Right. So I'm going to call her back and do it. And wow. and that's what I did. And you have your sister to thank today, right? Yeah. Yeah, I have my sister. Although, let it be known that she was actually paying me back because I introduced my sister to her husband. They've been married for 10 years now. He played football with me in college. Okay. And so she kind of owed me one. Okay. And uh, I don't think she, I don't think she knew she would repay me in this way, but it all worked out. Wow. So I'm, I mean, I'm sure at first you were a little like, "Come on, what are you doing? Sign me up for a TV?" Oh, absolutely. And now, you well, what I, you have. You know, I think most guys most guys won't admit to watching The Bachelor, although a lot of guys do. Right. Uh, but they will say like, that, 
I would never do a show like that. It's just it's so cheesy and so corny and like I wouldn't do it. And that's that's exactly what I thought. And like I said, I just wanted the free vacation. Right. I never imagined I'd meet my wife on a show yeah. like that. Um so what was your experience like? You're you're selected for the Bachelorette and you go through this crazy casting process, I'm sure. You're brought down and all of a sudden you're just in this yeah. television show. It's a really crazy world. One of my most vivid memories, because I had no experience with TV. I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. And so the first night, the night of, of the uh, you know the opening show where all the limos pull up and the guys mm-hmm. get out, I just remember there were helicopters swarming around. And then, uh, do you know what a ghillie suit is? Mm-mm. There's guys in ghillie suits, and those are the hunting suits oh, yeah. where you blend yeah. in with the terrain. And there's, there's guys in ghillie suits walking the perimeter of this mansion in North Carolina. Carolina looking for paparazzi. Oh my god. Um, and I was just thinking to myself, like, what did I get myself into? The whole thing seems so surreal. And in your book you talk about the producers went through a very important process as to who's gonna be first and last out of the limo. Yeah, well so at the time I really don't know anything. And right. I'm just totally naive going into this thing. And so the night before they have us Three days before that opening night, they have have you in a hotel, and they're just kind of prepping for that first episode. And so basically you're confined to your room. Well, the night before the first episode, the producers all came in, and they, one by one, and they would just introduce themselves and make themselves known. And then one of them told me, said, hey, we're going to have you first out of the limo. And, you know, traditionally, we think that the first guy is, is a guy that could go really far. Wow. So, I, you know, I, I didn't know much, uh, but I was, I was certainly... Um, uh, what's, the, what's the word I'm looking for? I was honored. honored, right? Yeah. And as a Bachelor fan, I mean, that's it. We we know the show has to be produced a little bit or somewhat, but the, like those are the little things that I think readers, especially, really enjoy getting those little like tricks, knowing the yeah. order of the limo actually is kind of thought about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this show it's been on for how many years? Like 13 years. And they've got it down to a fine science. They've mastered their formula over the years. And so they're on top of their game. Um, And to the show's credit, it's not a scripted reality show Mm -hmm. like so many are. Uh, They never told me what to say or how to feel, who to keep, who to send home. Uh, but they do little tricks like that to right. make the show entertaining, and and there's all types of production tricks. You know, they might there has to be. They might tell the guys. You know, so often you'll see the guys or the girls sitting on a couch and they're talking about someone specifically. And well, you know, as that's the guy's real feelings when they're saying this stuff. But the producers might say they might lead them with the question. You know, what do you think? You know, so and so and so and so are doing on their date today, and mm-hmm. it just gets the guys talking about that. So it's, it's produced a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it, it needs to be. Yeah. Um, so you go through the show, you fall in love with Emily, and then you're eliminated. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing. I think the falling in love part is it's it's really tricky, right? Because Bachelor creates such an environment totally where you're disconnected from the world. You don't have to worry about work. You don't have to worry about personal responsibilities, family, friends, all that stuff. It's just you in this environment, and you have all these guys that are focused on one girl. So the natural competition. I think you know it's kind of tricky because you can almost fool yourself into believing like I feel this way towards somebody. Um, it's really hard to explain. Yeah. Because the feelings that I had towards her and the feelings that I had towards Catherine were totally different. Right. Like, Catherine, I just knew, like, this is 
she's got to be my wife. And I think it was more on the Bachelorette, like, hopeful, like, I... I want this to be because I guess I had reached a point in my life where I was like, okay, I could see myself settling down, and I think she has the things that I'm looking for. When in fact, I don't know if they were actually all there. And you're put into scenarios that kind of like curate love. I mean, oh, being on vacations 100%. and everything. I mean, how can you not fall in love? You're doing things that no one <laughs> ever gets to do. I mean, you're taking helicopter rides and you're you're visiting the most beautiful countries in the world and like I said, you're disconnected from yeah. your everyday life and you don't have real world problems. So yeah, it absolutely is just it's a place that that uh, creates romance. Yeah. So at the time, what seemed like love looking back wasn't so much. Yeah, I think it was it was a hopeful feeling. Like mm-hmm. I, I wanted it to be there, and and thank God it didn't work out. Because if it did, I know it would have been a, just a massive train right. wreck. <laughs> and I mean, I'm I, I know with certainty I was supposed to be the bachelor so I could meet Catherine. Right. And, and and I strongly believe that. So at what point were you then asked? You know, you're eliminated from the show. At what point are you then asked to become the bachelor? Um, it was, I think it was about six weeks afterwards, um, which is really weird because <laughs> you come off this experience that didn't end up so great and you you just have a bad taste in your mouth right. and then the producers call you up, say, Hey, what do you think about being the bachelor? And so I told him, I said, I, man, I don't know. <laughs> you yeah. know, that, that, uh, it was, it was fun at parts, but that took a toll on me. And so they, they said, well, you know, we want you to be the bachelor, so think about it and call us back at the end of the week. And so I did, and I, actually I called my parents, cause my, right. my parents are good people and they can kind of speak wisdom into my life. And I thought my parents would say, nah, you mean, you gave it a try, but it's probably best you skip this one. And they actually said the opposite. Both of them said, you know what? We feel like God opened this door for you. You might as well walk through it. Wow. And then it, that just resonated with me. I was like, yeah, this is this is a chance I'd be a fool to pass up. Let's give it a try. And so going into it, what were some of your biggest fears? Biggest fear probably was that I would just waste my time or that um, I'd get raked over the coals like so many bachelors mm-hmm. do. You know, so many bachelors on The Bachelorette, they're fan favorites because they only get limited screen time. Right. And so people really latch on to them and they're like, oh, I love, like, Farmer Chris, for example. Right. Like, I love Farmer Chris. Prince you know, he's, he's got it all. He's so humble. He's this, he's that. But then when you're the bachelor, people start to pick out your flaws because mm-hmm. you're on screen so much and people start to get annoyed with you or you might say something, put your foot in your mouth. Huh. And, Wonder uh, who you might be talking about. <laughs> and then I think I, I use, I use Chris as an example. I think he's done pretty well for himself, yeah. but like, I know Ben Flanick and Brad and especially Jake Pavelka, mm-hmm. they went into The Bachelor being really well liked, and then after The Bachelor, not so much. Well, people were pretty excited about Juan Pablo. Juan Pablo, especially. <laughs> you know, everyone. I think he's the poster boy for he had this. The, he had the Latin flavor, and right. he was, I guess, girls would describe him as sexy and all this, and. Yeah, that did not oh, end well for old ouch. Juan Pobbs. Um, so, I mean, this your good guy image was, was very important to you. Your integrity was very important to you. Um, why was that? I mean, you just you just didn't want to get the wrong label. I just, well, I just know who I am as a man, yeah. and I, I did going into that. And so I didn't want to do anything that would maybe dishonor my family or make people view me in a different way because I'm very proud of, of the reputation I have, yeah. and, and I don't want to harm that. you know. And I, I also have a life outside the show, whether it's in business dealings or whatever. Right. Like I want people to look at me and still 
have a certain amount of respect for me. Right. And so, uh, you know, the show can put you in some pretty precarious situations, too. I mean, obviously, it's, right. it's all about romance, and so they're throwing hot tubs, and, mm-hmm. you know, in past seasons, they've gone skinny dipping and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, like, I, I just didn't want to cross those boundaries where it would make me look kind of sleazy. And I think some of that, I mean, and then your faith, obviously, you got kind of deemed... The Virgin Bachelor. Yeah, yeah, that all came after the show, so it was never discussed on the show, um, which is weird because so often, like this season, Chris's season, when a girl was a bachelor, that's all they want to talk mm-hmm. about, right? But I never, I never wanted to make a point to talk about it. That was just a decision I made in my life, uh, which I was proud of. But after the show, uh, I think. Somewhere along the line, a reporter must have asked me, like, how's our mm-hmm. sex life? And I just answered it, honestly. I was like, we're going to wait until marriage. And, you know, that's all a part of my faith, of course. And that's that's something that, like I said, I'm not going to back down from. I'm, I'm proud of it. But uh, from that moment on... The media went crazy. Oh, my gosh. That's all anybody can talk about. And still, two years later, people want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um so not only tabloids and talk shows, but even the more respectable outlets like Good Morning America, that's all people want to talk right. about. Um, so going back to you being The Bachelor, it's your first night there, and everyone's arriving in the limos, you're where Emily was standing, what's going through your head? Oh man, it's such a bizarre feeling. Yeah. It's, it's really exciting, because you don't know what's coming out of the limo. Right. I mean, you don't know who you're going to meet. or I like that you said, what's coming out of the limo, because <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of girls pulling a lot of stuff to try to get your attention, so you don't know what's coming out. Um... But it's just a really weird feeling. You're standing there, and and for the first time, it's like you're the shot caller. Right. Uh, you're gonna kind of direct the ship, and uh, it's it was also weird because you hear the limos pull up, and you see them pull up, and you hear the girls kind of squealing inside. Right. And you're like what? Sounds like an animal in there. Like what is coming out of that limo? And then one by one, of course, some girls are normal, and some girls are pulling out all the stops. You had some great ones. We had uh, Robin. She tried to do a backflip and landed. <laughs> on her head. Poor uh, girl, but like, what a way to break the ice. Yeah, yeah it's an icebreaker. Um, there was the girl in the wedding dress. Lindsay. And, uh, in that moment, as a viewer, I'm saying, this girl's going home tonight. There's In, in my head, that's kind of what <laughs> I There's thought. no way a crazy girl comes in in a wedding dress and is going to make it Tonight. You know, she was really kind of comparable to, um, who's the girl on Chris's season that started with the dirty joke? Caitlin, yeah. yeah. It's kind of comparable to that. Like, it's so bold, you almost respect it. Right. Some of them are kind of just cheesy and stupid, but it's so bold, it's like, okay, right. I'll give you points for, for your boldness there. And, I mean, at no point did I ever think that the girl walking out in the wedding dress was going to make it far, let alone to the very end. Yeah. Weird. Crazy. <laughs> um, but that just goes to show you can't really base everything off first impressions. Which yeah. we learned with the first impression rose. That's true. Although sometimes you can. Yeah. yeah. Oh, first impression rose. Yeah, Tierra. Yeah. Uh, a lot of crazy in yeah. that one. Um, well, you're you're only seeing what you're seeing. Well, sure. And everybody's going to put their best face on that first night. Right. <laughs> well, not everybody, because there was also the girl Ashley who was just fall down drunk, so she didn't put her best <laughs> face on. But uh, <laughs> for the most part, everyone wants to make a, a great first right. impression, and so it's really hard. It takes weeks and weeks to kind of figure out some of these girls. Tierra is a prime example. Yeah. The funny thing is, when the show was airing on TV. Everyone would come up to me, like, 
you're so dumb. How could you not see how right. crazy Tierra is? What are you doing? Right. But she wasn't crazy around me. She was only right. crazy around the women, and right. I'm not privy to what goes on with them. Right. So I was in the dark. It just took me a lot longer to catch on. And then it's always a hard part because there's the girls want to tell you what's happening, but then no one wants to be, you know, the tattletale, and that's always a weird position. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because no no girl wants to be that girl who's tattletaling because it never works out well for exactly. that girl. So it does put them in a weird position. Yeah, um, but they have to be honest with you. Yeah, but. and I, you know, thinking back, I can also remember even the producers. They they don't let you in on anything. Obviously, they know about the drama, but they're not going to fill right. me in. And then they would say things like, "Yeah, I don't know, I don't know why the girls don't like her. She seems really nice." And this is the <laughs> producer who knows how crazy she right. is. So that's another example. The producers just kind of lead you into some of that game. stuff. Um, so you have. 26 girls in front of you uh-huh. the very first night there's no way you remember every single person's name not a chance no and I'm terrible with names to begin with so um, the way it works this is, is the bachelor secret everybody wants to know yeah so the bachelor there's a lot of producers that work on the show a lot but there's one that's designated to be with the bachelor at all times and so they all have earpieces and they can hear the conversations that are taking place because everybody uh, the girls and me are all miked. And so the producer that's with me, her goal or her job is to take notes. And so if I'm sitting down with Catherine, Catherine's telling me a story about whatever, her work back mm-hmm. home in Seattle. This producer's taking notes and saying, oh, Catherine's you know, telling you about her job in Seattle. So the next time I, I go to meet with Catherine, maybe later that evening, the producer would say, hey, you're about to go talk to Catherine. So she'd give me her name, and they'd say, remember she told you about her job in Seattle? So it's really awesome. It's like a really great wingman who's just like there to make sure you don't slip up and say the wrong name. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, but So when it comes time for the actual elimination, uh, actually, let's go back to when you're actually talking to all the women at... Um, at the cocktail party, every episode it looks like a constant catfight to get your attention or the bachelor's attention. Constantly, you know, people pulling everyone away. How is that working in production-wise? Um, a lot of that is really genuine because okay. uh, the girls are so desperate to get just a few minutes, so they are kind of catfighting amongst each other and and trying to swoop in and get some time. And there are also times. And maybe they handle the girls a little bit different than the guys. I remember on The Bachelorette, the guys are much more laid back, like, dude, you want to talk to her? Go yeah. ahead, you know? And there wasn't so much of that. So on my season, I remember on The Bachelorette, the producers would be like, all right, Sean, you ready to go talk? Huh. And so sometimes they'll just kind of push you into it. And I, I don't think I ever fought anybody, but I know for a fact the girls did. It's just always so, it seems so awkward. I mean, they walk up and they're like, hey, do you mind if I cut in? And you can't say no. Yeah, it's really awkward, especially if you're in the middle of like a serious conversation right. and then you get some drunk chick that's like, hey, can yeah. I talk to Sean? It's yeah. just, it's not good for anybody. And speaking of the drunk chicks or whatever, uh, it's hard for us to know how long an evening really is taking place. With Chris this season, we even saw one of the eliminations take place daylight. in the daylight. Yeah. A girl was eliminated in the dark. And then her interview was in the daytime. Like, I've, I've never seen that, but it doesn't surprise me at all because obviously those rose ceremonies and cocktail parties, the more girls you have, the longer it takes. Right. So the first couple are the longest. And I remember we wrapped up right around 6 a.m. So right as the sun's coming up is when I was heading back to my hotel. The girls were going to sleep. And so I guess Chris lasted a little bit longer. But, you know, it takes so long because you have 26 girls. You have to have conversations with all of mm-hmm. them. Um, and then you have... 
have conversations with all of them. Yeah, I think I don't think I missed a single okay. girl to my knowledge. And then on uh, between that, you have to do your what they call ITMs, mm-hmm. uh, which are when you know they cut to the cut to a shot of you and you're say, you're talking about a specific girl, like, kind of like the, yeah, the really, confessional. Yeah, I really enjoyed my time with Catherine. I think there might be something there. So that takes a big chunk of the time. And then the rose ceremony on TV. It doesn't last very long, and, and right. the bachelor's calling the name, you know, Rachel, Jennifer, Ashley, just boom, boom, boom. But in reality, it takes a long time because there's about three or four minutes between each rose that's given out. Wow. The, ca- the cameras have to reposition, get wow. ready for the next girl. And, uh, man, it just takes a really long time. So I remember those those first few cocktail parties just wore me out. And you're standing there, and you go, Catherine. And then you're just like, which one's Catherine? <laughs> I, I am proud to say I remembered Catherine, but okay. there, there were some other girls that I did not remember. Right, so now you're going to say Lindsay, and the girl's going to walk well, down. That, so that's the other thing. People always ask me, like, how do you remember the order? So the trick behind that is I would say three names, and then I would leave the room, and the producer would give me the next three names. And then, of course, they give you the wow. order. Because the girl that's always on the verge of is she staying, is she going, she's always the last one to be called. So the producers create the order. That's, I mean, that's not shocking, but um, it's nice to know that you do actually have full say over who's staying. Yeah, yeah. They they never tell you who to cut, who to keep. Um, the only example of maybe where some of that takes place is, like, in the beginning weeks, I know there may be eight or ten girls that mm-hmm. they, they're just... It, it's not matching up, you know. They're not going to work out long term, but you can only cut four this evening. Right. And so the producers might say, "Well, you know, you might as well keep her until next week because she's fun to be around, right. and then cut her next week." Mm-hmm. But that's that's it. So you're going through this experience, and you know, you you obviously have to have the one on ones and the group dates. And how are each of those selected? Are you picking each one on one? Good question. Um, they they are suggested okay. a lot of the times. Um, so the producers might say, what do you think about going on a one-on-one with so-and-so? For whatever reason, they have a plan. Right. You know, we want to feature her in this first episode. Right. And so usually I just went along with that. Now, if I didn't want to, I could always say, no, I'd rather not, and I'd rather, you know, take her on the one-on-one. But I was just more... I'll, I'll go with the flow. So they they did suggest most of them. Yeah, because as a viewer, it's it's interesting to watch. We obviously have to believe that you're falling falling in love with as many women as possible. So it's interesting to watch over a whole season how you you know Catherine wasn't until week six. Yeah, and it's it's bizarre to see you fall in love with or fall in love with all these people. Well, that's the thing. So I, fall in love might be a strong term, but I definitely you know you develop certain feelings right. because hey I like I like this girl for this reason she's a nice girl and she has these qualities and I like this girl because she's a nice girl she has these qualities so you you certainly have feelings for multiple people but that's because in my case I went into it and I said, okay, I'm going to compartmentalize each relationship. And so when I'm with Catherine, I'm going to give Catherine my undivided attention. I'm only going to focus on her. And so I start developing feelings for uh, Catherine. And then go to the next date and I do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So then once you get towards the end, you're like, "Uh uh-oh. You know, there's a handful of girls here. And and I think they're all good girls for different reasons. But uh, now I'm in a tight spot because I don't know where my my heart is leading me. So it it took me a little while to figure out there at the end. I'm sure. And then the hometown visits come. And what what were you looking for in each of their hometown visits? Oh, that's a good question. I, I think I was just looking to see if I would match up well with their family. Yeah. Which is funny because... 
by all appearances, I would not match up well with Catherine's uh-huh. family. Um, you know, she's, she just comes from a, a very different family. She comes from a family of all women. They live in the Northwest, just very different. But when I'm, I'm used to, you know, I've got this big family uh, down in Dallas. And and uh, and actually, Catherine's mom, if you guys can remember, she did, she wouldn't even give me her blessing. Because mm-hmm. I, I think I posed it like, you know, if, if I figure out that I want to spend the rest of my life with your daughter, could I have your blessing in proposing? And she, she didn't give me a straight answer. I think her answer was something like, well, I don't know. That's a question for Catherine, I suppose. <laughs> like, I think her mom was just super skeptical about the whole thing. Um, so I think I went into it asking myself, can I match up with this family? And then I probably chose the family that I matched up with least. <laughs> but, well, but I've grown, obviously, I've grown to absolutely love her family, and, and they're, they're incredible. And not to overuse the word dramatic, as Chris Harrison might to explain each episode, but one of your hometown visits was pretty dramatic. Yeah, Dez's, Dez's. That was really bizarre. Yeah. Here, here's the thing about Dez. I'm going to tell you guys this, and it's, it's really, really weird. It kind of freaks me out. So her brother, everyone remembers her brother as just being this jerk who accused me of being a playboy. And I had heard earlier in the season, and this didn't make air, she said, my brother has spiritual gifts. Which is, it strikes me as really weird, okay? Yeah. I've never met anybody with spiritual gifts, and I'm not going to doubt they exist. Right. But what does that um, mean? I, I believe maybe some people do, but what does that mean exactly? Right. So I walk in to, uh, to Dez's house, and it's just me and Dez there for a while, then her family comes in. And I remember thinking in my head, um, the feelings just weren't there for Dez, and I could tell that she liked me a lot more mm-hmm. than I liked her. And I think maybe she was trying to hold my hand or put her arm around me, and I just wasn't reciprocating uh, any of that affection. And I remember consciously thinking about that, okay? And uh, so I go out, and I had the first conversation with her brother. And, of course, the producers kind of set it up, like, hey, why don't you guys go talk right. in the backyard? And everything was great. Um, I thought I'd knocked it out of the park with him, and I thought, all right, the brother's on my side. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he thinks I'm a good guy, I'm a respectable guy, all that stuff. And then he comes out later, and the producers did not tell him to do this, and he said, you know, I just went inside and I reflected on a few things, and I realized my sister was showing you a lot more affection than you were showing her. He and that led, in, on it. that led into the whole Playboy thing. So I don't know if that was his spiritual gift, but I did. <laughs> I, I thought it was extremely weird because I had not, between the first conversation we had and the second, I had not spent any time with him or been around Dez in front of him. And so for him to go wow. in and reflect on it, and it kind of freaked me out. He may have picked up bit. on something. <laughs> I think he did. And then that led to the dramatic confrontation. Yeah, yeah. Well, that he he got me so heated. I mean, yeah, of course. He called me a playboy, so that you're really questioning my integrity there. Mm-hmm. Um, like, hey, I'll, I'll admit the feelings I had towards your sister are not as strong as the feelings she has for me. But I'm not a playboy by any means, so I'm not. I'm not gonna let anybody question that now do you think that that confrontation led to des being chosen to be the bachelorette um no i I think i think she was the best candidate that they had because as a viewer 
when that was happening, I was like, this is such a good lock-in. We now feel bad for her. She's heartbroken because of her family. It- and it was. It was a very dramatic exit, and I know a lot of people really latched on to Dez, and, and people felt really bad for her, which they should have, yeah. because she poured her heart out. But uh, I, I think she was the best candidate to, to be the Bachelorette. She was, she was kind of the only choice, mm-hmm. the only logical choice. So, moving on, uh, we get to Thailand, and it's you know, the biggest day of your life, you've narrowed it down to two, and you're still a little bit unsure as to who you're going to pick? Well, so I, I I knew on the flight over to Thailand, I knew, like, Catherine was the only one that was always on my mind. And and like I said, I, do, I had feelings for both because that's just kind of the nature of the beast. You create those mm-hmm. feelings for both along the way. But then once I got to Thailand, I was like, all right, got to really sit down and figure out my headspace. So, yeah. you know, I'm coming up on what could be the biggest decision of my life. And once I really sat down and started thinking about it and praying about it, like I knew Catherine was the only one that I yeah. was constantly thinking about. And the thing I always say is that these dates are so long. Uh, you know, they're only 15, 20 minutes on TV. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times you're waking up at 6 in the morning and they last until midnight. You know, you're just shooting these dates all day. And it's exhausting. So at the end of the day... The one thing I want to do is I, I just want to get back to my hotel room right. and get some rest. But with Catherine, it was the opposite. Like, I didn't want to leave her. I never mm-hmm. did. No matter how exhausted I was, I didn't want to leave her. Um, and so as I started to kind of sift my way through my, my own thoughts, um, it became pretty clear that Catherine was and the one for me. She was the one that, I mean, was the most fun. I mean, you guys always oh, yeah. giggled. And it was so funny because at first I don't think we saw that side of you. I mean, your goofy side, your silly side wasn't necessarily, I think, a main character trait of yours. But Catherine really brought it out. Yeah. Well, that's what attracted to me to... Let me start that sentence over. <laughs> that's what attracted me to her from the very beginning is she was just so fun and she had such a great energy about and her. And so it took a while for the romantic feelings to come in. But from the very first night, I was like, this girl's fun. I just yeah. want to be around her, you know. And I didn't even know if if there was going to be romance, but I knew like I want to be friends with her yeah. because I, I just I find myself constantly smiling when I'm with her. And going back to your very first one, uh, your one on one. I mean, not everything was going right. The blizzard. Yeah, yeah. We had our your bright our, pink face. <laughs> our first one on one date in Canada, and we spent it on uh, a giant glacier in, in Glacier National Park. And a big snowstorm blew in, which was unexpected. And I was just getting pelted in yeah. the face with ice. And you know me, I'm fair-skinned, so my face turned, like, cherry red. And uh, I remember she made vividly. the most of it. Like, the conditions were awful, but she was still having fun, and we still just had the best time. And so that said a lot about her to me, is that, you know, this girl, she doesn't need these fancy romantic dates. Yeah. Like, we're having a blast messing around in a snowstorm. It was... That was the first indicator that there's something special there. And in the book, you talk about some other some other moments that you guys had that weren't necessarily on camera, which were hard to get the producers to agree to. Yeah, so uh, towards the very end, um, before I was going to propose, I just I still had some lingering questions. And I say that because I knew in my heart I was in love with her. I did mm-hmm. not question that. And my mind was telling me, like, are you crazy? This is a reality show. You're going to propose on a right. reality show to a girl you've spent limited time with? Right. I mean, you're you're nuts. And, uh, you know, I had certain things that I call non-negotiables. You know, I needed someone who was going to be um, someone who would challenge me spiritually in my life. And I, I just had a whole long list of things that I needed in a wife. Um 
And so I, I told the producers the night before, I'm kind of freaking out. I was like, I got to talk to Catherine. And, of course, they don't want any interaction off camera. Right. What doesn't happen off camera doesn't right. happen. And and so I'm pleading with the executive producer, and he's always behind the scenes. So I, I rarely even interacted with him. But he came to my hotel room and was like, I need, just give me 10 minutes. And he's like, no, I can't do that. And, and I just pleaded with him. I was like, yeah. Please, I, I need ten minutes. I just, I got to get some of these questions answered. And so, reluctantly, he finally agreed to let me have wow. ten minutes with her. But he said, "You have to promise me that you will not give her an inclination one way or the other if you're going to propose to her or not." Mm-hmm. I was like, I, "I promise." And so, I go into her her hotel room, catch her totally off guard. She's just gotten out of the shower, no makeup on. She's in a towel, and. Uh, and she's just kind of stunned, and she has this deer-in-the-headlights look. And, and I have this whole list of things. It's like, all right, I think it's important you know this is what I need out of a wife, A, B, C, D. This is what I wanted to do. Uh, you know, I, this is how I want her to challenge me as a man to make me a better husband. And I list all these things, and she's just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, just totally stunned. It is so bizarre. You are about to propose the next day. I know. And less than 24 hours before... It doesn't, you have to have a real conversation. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense at all. But you know what? She agreed to everything. She said, I want to be that woman for you. And uh, she has been all of that and so much more. So she held up her end of the bargain. And that moment where you got down on one knee and Catherine, I mean, was shaking and said yes and was breath. I mean, I, I, as I, rewind, I rewind that like millions of times. Like It was such a real moment and it, it was real and the thing that i'll always remember of course they have the beautiful backdrop and you know flowers mm-hmm. and this little pond and it's in thailand and you have the sun setting in the background all these amazing things but she is shaking and like quivering shaking. when i get down on one knee like just she's so excited and um it was beautiful and i remember she of course throws her arms around me and i tell her i love her after asking her to marry me and and uh, she doesn't even realize the ring on her finger. <laughs> and it's like a couple minutes later, she's crying and everything. And I ask her, I was like, did you even see the ring? In it? <laughs> yeah, but that's who she is. She doesn't care about this really expensive Neil Lane ring. She's honestly mm-hmm. head over heels in love with me. And um, that's just a testament to who she is. But that, that was awesome. And a side note that's really funny. The producers told me later... In the earpiece, they were saying, medic, stand by, because we think she might pass out. Because she was shaking and quivering so much, they really thought she was going to hit the deck. Oh, my gosh. And now, that was the first time you had ever said that you loved her. Yeah. But it wasn't the first time she said she loved you. It was No, it wasn't, but it was the first time I heard it. So the story behind that is, after our last date in Thailand, apparently she'd whispered it in my ear i didn't pick up on it so i didn't even acknowledge it because i didn't hear it and so she's really upset after i don't say anything she just tells me she loves me and then i just say okay good night <laughs> you know um so i think i i may have made her distraught but it wasn't my fault she just right. didn't say it loud enough and, and i mean this is the kind of stuff guys that is in the book that you've, you've got to read and check out it's just so, so cool to to get these behind the scenes stuff um but only one person heard it, right? Only like one yeah, so sound engineer, one sound guy, and those microphones pick up everything. So the sound techs, you could whisper as as um, just as quietly as possible. The sound guy's going to pick it up. So he heard, but I didn't hear it, even though she had whispered it right in my ear. Oh, that's so painful. <laughs> um, so you are taken off on an elephant ride. You just proposed. Yeah, everything is perfect. 
Yeah, that's that's what I've been saying lately. I've, I've done a lot of public speaking, and I always say, you know, we got engaged and we rode off into the sunset in Thailand on the back of an elephant. So to all you guys out there, I dare you to top that, yeah. you know, because you can't top it. Um, so that's just a fairy tale way to get proposed or to get engaged. And uh, then the real world starts. Well, yeah, and then you come back off the elephant. And then there's like, all right, it's a wrap. Get your mics. Yeah, so that and that's really weird. You, you've been mic'd up for three months, and then they finally say, all right, take your mics off. Like what? Like you I, got off the elephant, and they were. What, what was the first thing out of the producer's mouth? Do you remember? Well, we get off the elephant, and we did your, probably your ITMs. Right? We, we literally did one ITM together, which you never do them together. It's like, whoa, we get to do this together. And then they say, take off your mics, and I'm blown away. It's like, are you serious? Like, we're done. It's done. And we were done. And like, so, are we allowed to still be in love? Or are we done too? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we um, we were allowed to stay. We had this beautiful house in Thailand, which we were filming at, and they allowed us to stay there for three additional days. Uh, us and a couple of the producers who were actually married. Mm-hmm. So the four of us were in this house, and we got to just enjoy being together for three days. And then after that. It's really sad because she has to fly home to Seattle and I have to fly home to Dallas and we can't let anybody know that we're actually right. together. And you have to pretend like nothing happened. Yeah. But the producers did let you guys kind of have a little Bonnie and Clyde action going on. Yeah, yeah. So that that was our, uh, what do you call those, code names? Bonnie and Clyde. Alias. Yeah. So, yeah, our alias. So anytime they would email us or Operation whatever, it was, it was all, always Bonnie and Clyde. And so every two weeks they would take Bonnie and Clyde out to LA, they put That's us great. up in a house where you know they told us, "Listen, you can't you can't leave the house. We'll have someone come and bring you food, anything you want, but you can't leave the house yeah. because keeping the secret to them has become such a chore. You know, yeah. with all the spoilers out there and everything. Right. So they really tried their hardest to to keep us a secret. And when you're engaged, all you want to do yeah. is be together and tell everybody, and "Hey, I'm engaged. I'm in love. You know, we're going to get married." And uh, it's really hard to be separated and only get to see your your fiance every two weeks. But are you in between that? Um, you know, are you you're communicating? Yeah, I mean, we're we're FaceTiming right. and texting and calling constantly. But uh, I mean, when you when you've just fallen in love with someone, right. you That's, need to see them. You know, right. <laughs> you need to be with them in person. And so then, eventually, the season starts to air, and Catherine is watching. You on dates with other women? Yeah. Yeah. And to Catherine's credit, she handled it all extremely well. I think she has a good understanding of kind of everything that I went through mm-hmm. led me to her. And, and, and she understood that very well. She That's never great. gave me a hard time about anything. And, uh, you know, with that said, she watched it in Seattle. I watched it in Dallas. And we, we talked about it, but we didn't really get in depth about it. And I think, I think that's probably the best way to yeah. handle it. And then you guys decide to do the televised wedding. Yeah. Which, first of all, thank you for sharing that moment with us. I mean, as fans of both of you guys, that was great. Well, we were really happy to for multiple reasons. I think first and foremost, um, the the one thing that's really special about The Bachelor is people feel invested in your relationship. Mm-hmm. They feel like they know you and they've been there from day one. And so we have so many supporters who every day stop us uh, still today and just say, you know, we we were rooting for you guys and we're here for you and cool. we, we love you guys. So it was really cool to be able to to um, share our most special moment with everyone who's been with us from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the, the soft, gushy part of it. Nice. From a guy's perspective, you get an awesome five-star wedding for free, yeah. which isn't bad either, you know? Um, I flew her whole family out. <laughs> yeah, and that's and, and my family as well. And that's, it kind of worked out really well because, first of all, there's no prettier place than Santa Barbara. Yeah. 
But, you know, her family being from Seattle, mine in Dallas, that's a pretty good meeting point for the two families. And to be able to fly all the family and friends out and put mm-hmm. them up for free, it was really just wow. a special time. But the media still had their... There's one thing the media was waiting for. Oh, the, the honeymoon the suite. Honeymoon. <laughs> What's going to happen you know, it's after? Not, it's not even the media. It was the Bachelor. The bachelor. Yeah. They had the honeymoon suite and... Uh, you know, a, just when you think they're on your side, they go into something it like that. All about that. But we, you know, it was it was honestly fine with us. We have a sense of humor about it. Like it is, it is funny. Right. Uh, some aspects of it are funny. I just wanted to make sure the camera was out of that suite right. when it actually went down. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, of course. After that, everyone wanted to know how right. was the wedding night. Right. Just more more sex questions, of course. Um, and it's been just over a year. Yeah, our, we celebrated our one-year anniversary, January 26th. Congratulations. And thank you. And we went back to the same hotel where we got married in Santa Barbara. Oh, wow. And we we just spent four days, just the two of us, resting, relaxing, uh, riding bikes on the beach, just nice. having an amazing time. So it was really a special way to bring in the first anniversary. And I do have to ask, are there plans to expand the family anytime soon? Yeah, the million-dollar question. Million uh, soon, that's a relative term. I Right now, we're really happy being newly Right. And we travel a bunch, and we're just enjoying life as it stands now. But we will have a family. Um, not not this year. Maybe maybe next year. Well, who knows? So in the very beginning of the interview, I asked you who was Sean Lowe before the Bachelor. Who was Sean Lowe after the Bachelor? Uh, the same guy. Same guy. <laughs> the same, I'd like to think I'm the same guy. Yeah. I honestly, I know. Here's the thing. I can't. I can't really have a big head or anything because. I'm just the bachelor. You know, it's not like I have a special talent or skill. Mm-hmm. I'm not a singer or an actor. I, I'm just a dude that got really lucky and got on a TV show and fell in love, and and I'm that same dude. Yeah. Um. And I and I know I get to experience a lot of wonderful things. And I get to travel and and I have all these great opportunities, but I'm still the same guy. Right. And I've luckily for me, I've got great friends and family that that keep me grounded and let me know that I'm still the same guy. So. Um. Yeah. Same guy. Same morals. Same character. And uh, now I just have a smoking hot wife to go along with. It. And a book on the New York Times bestsellers list. Yeah. Who would have thought <laughs> that? Not me. You know. Just uh, a couple years ago, I'm selling insurance, yeah. not really enjoying life, right. and now I'm traveling the country, and I have a New York Times bestselling book. It's it's really amazing. Well, we touched upon uh, some of the things that you talked about in the book, but what else do your fans have to look forward in reading this? Well, you know, it's not just Bachelor content. Of course, for the Bachelor fans, I wanted to put a ton of behind-the-scenes stuff, and I want to answer all the questions that I get on a daily basis. And I think there's some really good, cool tidbits in there. But it's also my story. Right. I think so often people just glance at our Instagram or see us on TV, and they think, like, these guys are perfect. I mean, there's nothing wrong with them. They have the perfect relationship. And... uh I, I want people to know that's not the case. Like, I've had a lot of trials and tribulations in my life, and I've overcome a lot of difficulties, mm-hmm. and I've had a lot of hardships, um, and I've stayed true to what I know is right throughout the whole process. And um, I think, honestly, that's why I've had success as being The Bachelor mm-hmm. is because I went into it kind of confident in who I was as a man, and I think I came out uh, that same man. And, nice. And like I said, I came out with a smoking hot wife. Yeah. And uh, and you kept your integrity. Which and, I, and I tried my best to keep my integrity. Absolutely. And so I, I, I tell the story of, of all that in there. And uh, so far, I've just been blown away by the response we've gotten. Yeah. Um, Congratulations. I was really hoping when I, when I wrote it, I, I wanted it to uh, answer the Bachelor questions, but I also wanted people to 
be left feeling inspired and uh that's exactly what what i've heard which yeah. is which is amazing that's and, great. I, and i'm glad so many people are are kind of connecting and relating to my story that's huge um well again thank you so much for sharing your story with the world from the bachelorette to the bachelor can't forget dancing with the stars <laughs> uh and now the book um real quick this season who do we think the front runners are Oh, uh, so we're down to three. We're down to three. And I have uh, the blonde. Who's the blonde? Whitney. Whitney. Sorry, I'm terrible with names. I think she's my front runner. Yeah. And I, I say that because for some reason, she seems like the only one that could actually live life on a farm yeah. in Iowa. That's a tall task. Yeah. We were talking off camera that, you know, you have 25 women, but how many of those women are really capable of moving to a rural area right. in Iowa? Uh, Whitney kind of gives me those vibes that maybe she could handle it. So I'm feeling that too. My, my vote is Whitney. And she seems sweet. She seems down to earth. Um, I think Chris enjoyed himself in the beginning. Uh, you know, he made out right. with a lot of them and he was having fun. And that's, of course, that's his prerogative. Um, but I think she seems like a girl that he could really get serious with and settle down with. So my vote's for Whitney. So Sean Lowe predicting Whitney. Whitney for the win, yeah. And as the next Bachelorette? Um, I'm going with uh, the the Canadian, Caitlin. Thank you. Caitlin. That's my guess, too. I've got Catherine off camera telling me the names. I got uh, Caitlin, too. Here's the thing. Caitlin, I hate to say it this way, she seems like the only choice. I agree. Um... I think she's funny. You know, I think she has a great personality. She's outspoken. She's outspoken. She's going to be entertaining. Yeah. I don't think she has like the wholesome good girl nature to her, but I think that's okay. I mm-hmm. think people will will tune in to watch her say some pretty she's outlandish, ridiculous things. You I know? agree. Um, all right. Well, you guys heard it here first. Sean Lowe predicting Whitney to win, Caitlin to be the next Bachelorette. Um, again, don't forget to get his book in stores now for the right reasons. Uh, thank you guys all for tuning in. Don't forget, again, hit me up on social media at Jeff underscore Thurm. Sean Lowe. Sean Lowe 09 on Twitter. All right. Thanks, guys. This has been Reality Reunion. Thank you so much for tuning in. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal.